Thank you for tuning in today. It's the Wide Marketing Podcast. My guest today is Mike Westgate, who's the VP of Marketing for Brigo, a company pioneering the connected coffee process. Mike, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm sure folks are sitting there wondering, what is connected coffee? So could you share with us what that process is? Sure. Yeah. Connected coffee is it's a new category that we're pioneering. It's all about customer experiences and quality. Automated coffee is kind of a crowded space and nebulous. Specialty and gourmet, same thing. But connected coffee, we believe, is more aspirational in how we're trying to drive physical, digital, and you know, real connections between people, between the coffee process and how they order, how they experience coffee. And then also be more responsible about how we connect the supply chain to the, to the end user as well. So with that, for the supply chain to the, as I've used your, I guess, robotic, I don't know if you call them robotic coffee houses, but they are really cool. They have one at the Austin airport. It's fantastic. When you connect people to the supply chain, what do you, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Sure. Yeah. And part of this is what we aspire to do. And part of this is how we were founded and what we're, what we're taking steps to execute today. So our founder, Chaz Studer, was really inspired when he was doing cause work in Honduras and fell in love with coffee. When he came back home, he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do next. He wanted to do a restaurant or something, spent a lot of time at Starbucks kind of hashing out business plan. And then noticed all the inefficiencies and even the, you know, seeing how it was made and cared for down in Honduras and then seeing the end product and the dirty dish rags being used and inconsistency in the product. I thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. How can I connect this really respectful kind of process around how the farmers grow the beans, how they sell them through co-ops, how they're imported and roasted and then delivered as a final product? If you can instrument technology in the right way, can you reduce waste throughout the system and provide more opportunities for those at origin, but all along the way as well? That's, that's great. It's, it's really cool that, you know, you basically are bringing that technology side of to when people make a cup of coffee, just like oh, you're drinking right now. So, Mike, let's talk about your story of how you got to where you are today, you know, and, and whether marketing was something that you always wanted to do or you knew that you wanted to do, or if it was something that you've discovered that you're passionate about and really good at during that journey. Well, it's, I kind of have two sides of my career. I started an undergrad in a sales and marketing role in CPG, General Mills, and then made a move over to, to Sara Lee, but stayed kind of in that space, packaged goods usually in sales roles. So I carried the bag, as they say, but then found my way up to corporate and operated in trade marketing roles. So back then, probably still the same in a corporate structure function, but there was field sales and there was brand marketing and the team translating in between was what we called trade marketing. So being the voice of customer, leveraging field insights to inform product roadmap with the brand team, carrying brand plans and programs down to the field sales level. So I kind of had an opportunity to work, you know, love working with the field sales folks and my contemporaries over there to understand customer dynamics, and then also seeing the, the inner workings of how brand marketing work. Typically, brand marketers in CPG are hired with MBAs. And at that time, the iPod was launching, and I was just in love with technology and what Apple was doing. And I thought, well, it'd be pretty difficult to show up on Apple's doorstep with this resume that just reads CPG. So I thought, well, I'm going to go back to grad school. And uh, made the leap and came down to UT McCombs and spent two years here. Fantastic experience in my life. Actually met my wife while I was at school too. So I say I picked up an MBA and an MRS. That's a double uh, hook. Yeah. But my goal in going to grad school was to get, uh, get a job in tech marketing. And on the outset, and luck, I feel very lucky because it was 2009. There weren't as many jobs to go around. But I ended up at Microsoft. So, you know, kind of mission accomplished. Check that box. I'm now a tech marketer. And through various kind of tours of duty at Microsoft, both at corporate, then working remotely here in Austin, 
found myself back in Austin, which is the hotbed of entrepreneurialism in startups. So I went to kind of an entrepreneurial digital marketing agency. We were doing really cool stuff with regards to new digital and social analytics to inform product strategy, content strategy. But I had, you know, a lot of my grad school cronies were at startups around town in Austin doing really cool stuff. One called up one day and said, hey, we're creating this commercial real estate marketplace much like Zillow. We need somebody to lead marketing. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do a startup. I do it now. And had an awesome experience there. Two years in working for a fantastic boss, a guy named Pat Lashinsky, still a fantastic mentor of mine, real visionary, awesome guy. But another grad school friend called up who was on the venture side and said, hey, I just invested in this tech coffee company. You've got consumer, you've got tech. This is a marriage of both. Why don't you come talk to him? I was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm not really looking. Having a fantastic experience here. And he said, just go have a cup of coffee, talk to him, and then tell me what you think. And I found myself standing in front of this robotic coffee house, drinking a really, really good cup of coffee. These guys, the founder saying, hey, we need somebody to help us grow our brand and make it global. And I was like, okay, how often in Austin, Texas, does somebody show your brand and say, hey, do you want to take this global? So I thought, you know, kind of mostly gut, but also trusting my relationship, you know, with my buddy on the VC side. And, and then, you know, talking to my wife about it. She was like, this is, I can tell the way your timeline is what you want to do. She could feel that she could see the passion clearly right away. Yeah. She, she was like, I know you like what you're doing. You, you appreciate your leadership structure, but I can tell you really can sink your teeth into this thing. So here I am. So how did the name Brigo come about? It's actually kind of a cool story. So our founder, Charles Studer, his grandfather owned a, a machinery company in Syracuse, New York called Brakes. And uh, he's named after his, his grandfather. So as Chaz was starting the business, he wanted it to do use, use that name or that the symbol or the iconography or something as a nod to his, his grandfather. And so he took the, the little plates around that were on the piece of machinery and they took it to a few creative agencies they kind of reconfigured a few things, but generally kept uh, some of the core elements. And they said, well, this is an on-the-go item. So drop the S, put an O on there. And it kind of sounds Italian. And that's how we ended up at Brigo. It does have a little bit of an Italian kind of flair. Yeah. And I guess when you think of coffee, that's Italian is one of those that you think about. Exactly. Uh, starting out, you went back, you had some work experience, you went to grad school, and then from there to go on the tech side. Along that path, was there a certain point, because I want to talk a little bit about your time at grad school and kind of what that meant for your career, but was there a point where you're like, this is what I really want to do, that aha moment? Yeah, it was actually during grad school. I think I, I shared with you previously, I, I came to grad school thinking I wanted to get into tech marketing, but also I was testing the hypothesis that I was a marketer. I didn't know if I was more an ops guy, supply chain guy, because you were exposed to a lot of that in CPG as well or I would find some steel in finance. Well, that wasn't true. But during grad school, I took a class called Introduction to Entrepreneurship. And I had always kind of viewed entrepreneurship through the lens of, oh, that's a finance thing, a venture thing. You know, high quant, you know, just numbers guys, that's, they succeed there. But I think about the middle, middle of the way through the course, uh, mid-semester, I realized, wait a second, this is marketing. Because in an entrepreneurship, you identify an unmet need in the market, you find that segment by which needs that particular product or service. You target and position your product around them and you launch. So those are mostly kind of the building blocks or pillars of marketing. So it was kind of like this newfound appreciation and pride in marketing going, wait, I could be a marketer and an entrepreneur too. Yeah, it's great how you connected that through kind of the aspir- you know, how you saw it from the entrepreneur's lens of saying, well, well, this is really what I should be doing. Yeah, we're creating product, we're positioning it. 
Mike, how do you think your experience working uh, for General Mills and Microsoft, these, these companies with big budgets, lots of resources, help prepare you? I know it sounds ironic to say that, but how do you think they help prepare you to take on your role as a head of marketing for essentially a startup? So it, it's it's always a challenge. I'm sure I'm not the first entrepreneur or person operating in a, in a startup to, to share this, but resources are always limited. You got... 100 priorities, money and time for two of them. What do you choose? So that's that's probably just the first challenge that everybody, even everybody here at Brigo faces, is we, we have to make tough choices. But in an engineering organization, similar at Microsoft, uh, mostly engineering-driven, tech startups and SaaS tend to be engineering-driven, there's a lot of opportunity to educate people on the value of marketing, to command your budget, to command the respect and understanding of who we're trying to reach and how and why. So what I've, I've always found in most roles is to identify your core audience, identify those key needs that they have or unmet, and then tell the story about how your product best fits that. And we've, we actually invested in some research here, working with an awesome company here in town that does social graphic research. And as opposed to getting a bunch of folks in a room sitting around in a focus group and, and telling you what you want to hear, you can this research method actually take social profiles minus the proprietary information, fully anonymized, take social profiles of valid social people, uh, whether it's across Twitter, search, you know, Instagram, Facebook. And then uh, they apply Watson's cluster analysis to it, IBM Watson, and they naturally coordinate into tribes. And then by looking at those tribes and applying filters, interests or affinities, like, well, we know we have to serve people that love coffee and that love on-demand ordering services like Grubhub or, or Uber Eats or Favor. When you apply those, you find this, this really core early adopting audience that is perfect for your product. And it, for us, it was the super techies. The next step was saying, okay, the super techies that love IBM and JavaScript and Linux and coding is kind of a honeycomb. How do we wrap our product around? Them? Well, we got to bring the tech forward. We got to show them how and why this coffee is so precise and perfect and high quality every time. It's because of all the great technology that's kind of behind the doors of the coffee house. That drives discipline in the product roadmap. It drives discipline in messaging. It drives discipline in the programs and the copy and content and creative that you, that you invest in. Moral of the story is creating a valid kind of process as opposed to just gut feeling, you know, marketing as it's perceived sometimes. Just throwing it out there and seeing what sticks. It's really very, y'all really want about, you want a next level with it and said, okay, this is, we've got this amount of budget. We have to make the most of it. So here are the channels and here's our user graphics that we have to basically make sure that we're getting our value back through. Yep. And if we could win the whole market by being everything to everyone, or we could win that segment and a more focused approach that will influence all the others. Well, clearly it's working. So if people are interested in getting a cup of coffee from a Brigo Coffee House, where can they find one? We have, no, we have one airport, one airport in Austin, convention center, corporates. We have several corporates here in Austin. We have one Houston convention center and one in, up in Fort Worth. Airports are by far the biggest opportunity for us, not just from a top line perspective, but also from an audience reach. So airport is a kind of a, a target for us when we're going into any new market. We got some great news yesterday that we're approved to do one at SFO airport this week. Congrats. That's awesome. So that was the yeah. one we were talking. It was, I mean, that's got to be another validation of, because you're talking a big international airport, I guess, a, a very populated airport as well, and yep. makes it much easier then to go sell through and market into these other other channels. Well, and think of that, that MSA is, is heavily, heavily densified with, with the techie core, right? The folk, I mean, it's, it's Silicon Valley. 
So the folks that really do appreciate automation, uh, precision, robotics, and kind of on-demand systems, we're a perfect fit for that market. It's a slam dunk. Yeah. Hope so. Clearly, you've had a lot of experience going through, you know, not only from an education standpoint, but from your career path. Knowing now where you are and everything that you've learned up until this point, if you could go back to the very beginning of when you were starting out your career to give yourself a piece of advice, what would that one piece of advice be? I wouldn't change a thing, but I might have tried the startup route a little sooner. And the reason I say that is because just how taxing it is on your family, on your time, on your resources. Uh, it's, you know, like I said, wouldn't change it for the world, but it might have been a little easier on me personally and my relationship and, and my family if I had done it, you know, before we had kids. But we're making it work. And that's why it's critical to have a, a fantastic partner and communicate. There's always room for improvement there. Well, it sounds like you're having a lot of fun with it, too. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. not like it's like a, you know, it, it's probably wearing multiple different hats. It's not like you're channeling, like a, you know, big organizations as, you know, like a Microsoft. I'm sure it's very, there's a lot going on, but there's a lot of processes that have already been created. We're here. <laughs> hey, this morning, we got to go do this. And we got to now, we got to go figure out this. Yeah. It's a, it's a giant challenge because you're writing the playbook, not just running the plays. But it's also really gratifying because you know if you, you've had an impact and that your contribution counts. You know, I had a great experience in training at the large Fortune 500s that I mentioned, General Mills, Sara Lee, Microsoft. Fantastic way to kind of begin a career, but a little less opportunity to illustrate impact. You know, when you're on large teams, you have large budgets, you basically annualize your plans. And a lot of times you're adopting programs that you may not have designed. But in the startup world, it is, all right, what's my hypothesis? What are the resources I need to test it? Did it work or not? Yes, go forward, invest more, or readjust and, uh, and try something new. And kind of an immediate feedback loop. So in your opinion, because I'm sure there's folks out there that are weighing, do I go back? You know, they're at a mm-hmm. point of their career where maybe they're not progressing as quickly as they want, or they're, they're curious about going to grad school because they're hearing that's kind of the next, you know, what you need to do. What are your two, what's your two cents there? There is no one answer for everyone. I think if, for anybody considering it, I, I would suggest that you, you really spend time answering the question, what do I want on the other end? For me, it was to career switch. So I think for career switching, you know, mid-level to, to director or executive level, it's a pretty, pretty good learning experience and pretty good investment. If you're going just to make a better paycheck after two years, you might be disappointed. Like I said, my goal was, I don't care what the paycheck is. I don't necessarily care what the company is. I want to translate my experience, my enthusiasm for marketing and consumer over to the tech sector. And I suspect that anywhere I may go in the future or any professional opportunity that may arise is probably going to come from that. Network. For you, is a good way to pivot into the career that you wanted. As head of marketing for Brigo, it sounds like you have two different marketing channels. You have a B2B channel, which is selling into the different corporations or airports. And then once you're in, then you've got to now sell to, you become a B2C seller or marketer because you're now selling to the consumers. Mm-hmm. From your chair, you have, you're basically running two different strategies in tandem. You know, how does it work? Yeah, it is an interesting challenge because we are kind of a B2B2C model, as you mentioned. It's almost more challenging selling the B2B side and finding placements for the coffee houses than it is selling the coffee to the consumers. Why is that? It is a new, very new experience. And people that, that have decision-making power in locations that could place a Brigo coffee house 
have a tried and true model, they know that a barista bar works, right? So selling this idea of the future of how people like to consume, how they, you know, the rise in on-demand app ordering, and then also the space efficiencies of having a 40 square foot unit that can compete with barista quality and throughput. It's a bet. It's an early adopter bet. And so the materials, uh, the sales materials, the content, the storyline is very different in appealing to that stakeholder than it is to get your coffee order through an app, customize it to perfection, grab and go. That's a bit more straightforward. Yeah. And that's awareness and education play. So I rely heavily on my partners internally. You know, our head of business development, our head of retail sales, we need to be in lockstep to know what resources we devote to each, you know, resources, budget, time, and so forth to each initiative, but make sure that it's a cohesive story too. Because ultimately, if we do find a partner on the B2B side, yes, okay, we're ready to put you in the airport. They need to be well-versed on why they would make that investment in space and time because this is the constituency on the consumer side we're trying to reach and help you serve better. So there's definitely coordination. They are different channels, different you know, marketing tactics and so forth. But that's kind of the fun of it. It keeps, you know, forces you to be versatile. But definitely makes you wear two hats for sure. Yes, yes. Well, that's, you know, that's marketers, right? A lot of times we're an internal service provider and supplying sales teams with collateral content programs, supplying business development teams with sales decks and websites and, and lead funnels and so forth. Moving forward then, you know, and you say so you're a B2C to B marketer, it always presents challenges, There's always going to be new, new challenges that get that come up. But when you look forward for the future of marketers or anybody that's in a similar situation, B2C to B, where do you see the value and how marketing is going to evolve over time? I think it's, uh, I don't think this is anything new, but I think it's maybe a reinforcement that knowing the customer in and out, having a firm command of who is your core audience and using that as kind of a strategic imperative to drive through product development roadmap, to drive through channels and partners, to drive through in-customer programs and value prop. I think that puts marketing in a really unique position is uh, almost like a, a strategic role in the company. With the access to, to more real-time research and data on how customers react to your product, how they experience you, what are your, what's your competitive set, being able to leverage those insights and not once a year, big bloated research plans, but real-time research and feedback to continually improve and almost treat a physical good like a software agile uh, development roadmap. Would you say having um, an app-based ordering system gives Brigo a strategic advantage? Yeah, it, it's it's not a new trend. If you look across most verticals, this is something that's been happening in, in app-based businesses is giving the end user full control, customization, and real-time feedback. Domino's has done a great job with their app. Netflix and Spotify are basically recommendation engines based upon your behavior. Amazon's got it down to a T, obviously. Yeah. We obviously have to have great coffee and we spend a lot of time making sure that it is great. But we're starting to spend more and more time now on investing in software and the app so we can create more of an experience, not just what I'm drinking, but how I configured it to what I like and how I named it as a favorite, shared it with my friends, or how I could potentially connect to that farmer to learn more about origin of where the bean came from. We're also looking at value-added partnerships too. Right now at the airport and the convention center, if you buy Brigo coffee, you get an instant coupon for 20% off a lift ride. We think those are pretty analogous experiences and products. And similarly, we're looking ahead to South by Southwest and maybe there are unique products or, or uh, media initiatives that we could launch through our app as a value added to our users as well. 
So there's a lot of cool stuff we can do if you think of yourself less of a coffee shop and more of a on-demand kind of gourmet products and services platform. Yeah. So if anybody's down for South by Southwest, where would they be able to experience besides if they obviously they fly in, they'll yeah. be able to check it out. Is there going to be any other events or participation by Briga for South by Southwest? Yeah, working on it right now. I hope to have this nailed down in the next day or so. But our, our thought is that Connected Coffee isn't about just seeing it at the airport and trying coffee there. It's really part of the South by experience. So your first touch point in Austin might be at the airport. And hey, there's this Brigo Coffee House I've heard about is Austin's Coffee Robot. How do we create that experience in the communication and the app notifications and messaging to drive you to your next cup of coffee and experience at the convention center where we have one as well? And we're looking at potentially doing some some catered service on Rainy Street, which is one of the biggest, busiest locations in Austin for South by. So how do we take kind of the coffee service as it's, you know, it's almost a necessity and a need for, for South by goers and drive awareness and interest for the category and these really cool tech innovations that, that, that I just saw at the airport or I just saw when I was trying to match. Are there any product extensions that are in the works that you can share with us, whether it's for the home or consumer on the go market segments? Yeah, I think there's a phased approach. What we're looking at is a two to five year roadmap. And there are different formats for the coffee house itself. Our, our founders are already thinking about what are the different formats and sizes? Could you do it in a more compact footprint? A path to that is also looking at retail coffee as well. So we, we do cater all the coffee, provide the pre-ground and the beans to the Austin Convention Center right now. And we get so many customer inquiries from the folks that use us at Dell every day or the folks that frequent us at the airport saying, hey, where can I buy your beans? So looking right now at, at packaging those up and either setting up our own e-commerce store or knocking on the doors of some of the major retailers around here to see if they'd like to feature the you know, Austin's coffee robot on the shelf. Oh, wow. So that's pretty exciting. So y'all are looking at actually selling the actual, the beans themselves, the ground it. Yeah, back to my roots. Go back, uh, you know, bring CPG elements in, right? It'd be fun to see that at HEB. Yeah, I'd love it. You know anybody? <laughs> we could talk. That's pretty cool. So there seems like there's there's no slowing down for Brigo. It's only going to get bigger, bigger, and the opportunities to grow and the path to grow is, is going to continue to evolve for for years to come. Every day, there's a new challenge and a new opportunity, which makes makes it exciting to come to work. So as we kind of get close to the end of the show, Mike, what is next for Brigo? Well, immediately, it's about market expansion. We are very fortunate to have been named one of Fast Company's most innovative companies in the world. Some honor for us that you know really helps us in terms of credibility and awareness. So we're very proud of that. Uh, we were also nominated for the best new restaurant in the Austin Airport by the Austin Airport, which is great. Um, we're taking a Brigo Coffee House to Airport Experience show in Las Vegas. And then South by is coming up with some big activations there. And then shortly thereafter, we will be installing an in, in SFO internationally. It'll be a busy spring, but, but lots of fun stuff, big announcements to come. That's really cool. I congrats on all the success. That's pretty amazing. So your hats, you're just wearing putting on adding more and more hats every day, it sounds like. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully I get to continue to recruit too. So oh good luck with that. And you know, for anybody that's gonna be coming into South by Southwest, definitely guys, every you'll need to check out Brigo. It's it's a fantastic cup of coffee, very personalized, and I think you're gonna love the experience. So make sure that I guess you're at the gonna be at the convention center, you've got the airport locations, and I'm sure there's gonna be some other announcements coming out soon. So, yeah, yep. good, good deal. Well, hey, Mike, I appreciate you being on the show. That kind of takes us to the end of it. We're all wrapped up, but we'll definitely have to do a follow-up episode, have you out with all the new things that are coming out with Brigo. I can't wait to hear more and follow more of your story. Awesome. I'm always happy to have a virtual cup of coffee with you. 
<laughs> Definitely. Well, for everyone watching and listening online, hey, thank you all so much for tuning in. And please remember to subscribe to this podcast and follow with your friends and colleagues. Thanks again, Mike. For everyone else, bye-bye. <laughs>